Urban Temple. This week we are going to be reviewing three albums. The first album is going to be by Def. It is the symbolic album released in 1995. The second album is going to be Primordial's Exile Amongst Ruins, released in 2018. And the third is going to be Lingua Ignotus Not album, um, released in 2021, called Agnes Day. So, Floyd, take it away. For Can I just say, do you know, I just remember just then, I just remember how fucked up it was. That, that guy that turned his uncle's skeleton into a guitar. Oh my god, I hate that guy. Yeah, that's like the worst thing that? ever. I'd uh, be so disappointed in my family oh, if that to that, me. That story is fucking living rent-free in my head. <laughs> and I just, I just can't get out. He literally, like this, this if people don't know, his uncle donated his body to a medical center. They had no use for the skeleton, I believe. So they gave it back to this guy. He takes the rib cage and the the spine and turns it into a guitar and he can't even play it properly because the <laughs> ribs are like enclosing the string. Like why would you just take a few ribs off doing Marilyn yeah. Manson? Or just make a xylophone or a glockenspiel. Oh, a xylophone would be, be so much more better. More natural thing to do for skeleton, I think. It'd be funny if his uncle was called Miles, he could call it a mylophone. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of death. <laughs> yeah, that's a good segue. Yeah. I, I'm quite interested to hear what you've got to say because I could go on for years about death. I mean, I love death. I only got into them like a few years ago. Yeah. Um, I, I never, when I got into death metal, I kind of got into like 2000s death metal post Chuck dying. So I never really discovered them properly until I was much older. Um, and like, they're one of those bands where, I mean, I was one of their top listeners on Spotify. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't consider myself like knowledgeable about them. So this was like a really cool way of like starting to to kind of know more about this amazing band. They're just, they're just fucking incredible. They're one of my favorite bands for sure. Um, I saw a version of them play, obviously without Chuck, and um, at Hellfest. Oh, is that DTA? Um, yeah, that's yeah. the one. And like, oh my god, they were one of the best live bands I've seen. So, yeah. Like they had fretless bass, and it was just all of them were so virtuosic. The the entire tent was just full of people. Like this, you know how people come onto the side of the stage. Yeah. They had like a hundred people on the side of the stage, like so many people at the festival were just like in awe, yeah. even even without Chuck of seeing this band play those those songs. And it was a true, they're just joyous. It's like truly incredible music. The, the, the guitar work is just sick. Like the way they do the intervals, like um, we were talking about it earlier, like maybe they're, I think they're fifths or something. I'm not a music theory person, but the way the guitars are layered, they create this like sound that Carcass use a lot and is using a lot of death metal where it just sounds so so beautifully layered and harmonized and you just yeah. get this like really sharp, like brutal sound that's like also really melodic and beautiful. They do that really well, they just write the most incredible riffs. Yeah. Yeah. It's what year did you see that been about twenty fifteen? I think so, yeah. Because that's um yeah, 'cause I'm pretty sure they played Bloodstock that year. I think it's twenty. They had Steve DiGiorgio on bass because he was one of the ones that like I think one of the first people to ever bring like the a fretless bass to the metal like sphere. Is that so? That's cool. I, that. I could for the life of me, I cannot remember the guy who's playing um guitar and vocals, but my god, he actually sounded like Chuck. They sounded literally like they do on record. It was really yeah. impressive. And like I love Chuck's vocals. Like I, I don't I, I didn't realise until you guys saw me earlier, but Chuck didn't think he was a good vocalist, which blows my mind. Yeah. Because he's his vocals are so good, they're clear, you can understand what he's saying really easily and like yeah. they kind of they add this like the way he distorts, it, it's it's not overly distorted. It, there's something really beautiful about how it contrasts with the more melodic music. I think the interesting thing about the vocals is when you listen to the first two albums, which are a lot more kind of death metal orientated, it had more of that kind of harsh 
guttural and far less enunciation mm. than that was kind of more prominent in the death metal scene at that time. For sure. Yeah, where like I feel like even symbolic might have even been one of the first albums we started to enunciate the words a bit more and this general approach was just a bit clearer and you can actually discern a lot of what he was saying. And I think, you know, it was just such a good natural step because for me, in my opinion, I think Death are one of the bands that they're a very good gateway band for people to get into death metal. 100%. Because um, I feel like one, they got to the point they were at with Symbolic, they had reached like a status where I think they had quite a wide appeal in the metal sphere. Like it's just like we were saying, with, whether it be with the riffs or the vocals and just the, just the composition of the music. Like there's, and you're gonna hate me for saying this, but like there's even some of it that's like reminiscent of Pantera at times. <laughs> Like, you know, it just has that groove and like structure to it. And it's like, you know, and you could totally see how that kind of catapulted them into the sort of the legendary status that they that they will always maintain. Like, Definitely. and it's, you know, obviously it's not a good thing that he's died by any stretch of the imagination, but if there's a silver lining you could kind of take away from it. It's the fact that like that legacy can never be tarnished. Absolutely. Those seven albums are like unfuckable. Like they're all so good in their own rights. I think you mean unfuckable. Well, I say unfuckable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure someone could fuck a desk if they really wanted to. So, I mean, or a vinyl. Really, like a really dangerous fuck. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's some human centipede shit right there. Spit <laughs> my teeth on edge thinking about it. That, I'm that, sure that. someone's done it though. Well, I tell you what, it's reminded me of which someone has done. There's a, a fan of a dying fetus, one of the most unfortunately named bands, because. It's funny because they decided to write about politics and like the shit happening in Iraq. So that like, yeah, you, you're never gonna get taken seriously for them like dying fears. But I love them. I think they're a great band. And um, one of their fans uh, died and wanted um, his uh, ashes to be. Uh, I believe this was the story to be um, made into a vinyl. Oh wow! So and he got made into like a special like press press version of Damn. one of the dying fears records. What would, what would you want your ashes to be pressed into? Which album? Well, I definitely want to be cremated. Yeah. So, I think just, um, fuck, I don't know. I don't give a fuck, just do it, just, just, <laughs> Is this like I'm the most dead. stupid, funny album you can think of? <laughs> oh, which album I want to album? be pressed into? Oh, God. I, I don't know, maybe something like Spando Ballet. Just yeah. throw a bit of a spanner in the works. I oh. really like Spando Ballet. I've never listened to them. Good, you know the song Gold, though, right? Maybe. I'm not going to sing it because I'm going to embarrass myself. We can edit it out. Maybe afterwards you can play it. I'll play some Spandau Ballet afterwards. Yeah, they're just having those band names where I feel like it's going to sound like The Cure or like a band line. The kind of music I don't listen to. God, it's like a new wave of pop sort of bands. They're really kind of, but it's good shit. Is it like one of those? Oh, that's synth heavy as well. Yeah, I knew it. I could just tell from the name. I was like, yeah, that's why I've never gotten in them. I'll I'll give it, if it's one of your Ashes vinyl um, choices, I'll give it a listen to in honour of your your future potential, probably not going to happen choice. I saw a Spandau Ballet t shirt in a charity shop once, and I was like, I'm totally going to buy this and wear it to like fucking Damnation or something. (laughs) People do like a double take. Is that a Spandau Ballet shirt? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it is, motherfucker. I feel like those people would keep props for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of bands like that. Well, better that than a Goatwood shirt, I suppose. It's definitely yeah. an improvement. Not that you have any. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> you said that like you have a whole wardrobe full of them. Nope, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> 
But no, going back to uh, Symbolic, is there any particular tracks on the album that kind of that you enjoy more than others? My favourite death track is Crystal Mountain. And it's it's a that, great track. On the album. It's just so catchy. Like, yeah. it's... I don't know, I feel like some some parts of it remind me of like how Mastodon did the early stuff. Like, the the energy on the drums. And yeah. like, on one of the songs, I can't remember which, but like... This sounds. This is like a really strange thing to say about some music, but the guitars remind me of King Diamond vocals. Yeah. Like the way they're structured and how they sound, I was just like, this feels like King Diamond singing. Yeah. Which is a good. You know, on I think it was individual thought patterns they actually had Andy LaRock, who was the guitarist for King Diamond. No way, that's really some cool. some guitar parts. Yeah, he was a session musician for that album. That's amazing. They have amazing cool. guitars. So. But that brings up an interesting point because one of the things I love in Death, and you kind of hear it in the last track, Perennial Quest. And probably one of the most famous instrumentals in history, mm. uh, Voice of the Sun. Oh, it's from so catchy. Perseverance. Like the guitars scream. Yeah. And it's like it's not something, it's done in a way that it sounds like, you know, because you hear like, like Dimebag used a lot of, um, I keep referencing Pantera for some reason, but, <laughs> <laughs> but they used like a lot of pinch harmonics and a lot of harmonics that you know, sounded like the guitar was speaking. But mm. the way he does it in Voice of the Soul, and you hear a bit of it at the end of Perennial Quest in the outro, it's just so, so human. Like it, it does, like I said, it is reminiscent of like a human's voice. It is know. really, like you can sing a lot of the riffs and you can sing those instrumentals. I think Bill Steer is definitely my guitarist, inspired yeah. by the sort of choices of yeah. these two. I mean, that man is just, I mean, the riffs he's created is responsible for, I might have mentioned this before, but like Carcass don't get enough props for like how much influence they've been on the scene. Mm. Like even whether it be through fucking gore grind or metal death, like they've done so much to so many different subgenres. I think we're so lucky that we've got Black Sabbath and Carcass and bands like Electric Wizard in this country. Like yeah. we, we have a lot of bands that have shaped genres, like more than one for sure. Yeah. yeah. Judas Priest as well. Of course, yeah. yeah I mean, there's, there's even more, like there's like prog bands and stuff. Yeah. And like, yeah, we're just so lucky. And I suppose Saxon as well. I like a bit of Saxon. Got a bit of uh, Zeppelin as well. Yeah. Yeah. God, it's crazy to think that the small islands produce so much great music. Yeah, I wonder what it is. We've just got some weird, like, chemical... I reckon we just colonised the world and <laughs> just took a... Stole all stuff! Yeah. <laughs> and just <laughs> melted it into one perfectly, uh, perfectly balanced musical, like, in revolution. Melting pot, I think. But, um, I was going back to Crystal Mountain. Mm. Um, do you know what the song's uh, about? No, it's about. So, I think, I was reading uh, an article it was like 10 things you didn't know about the Symbolic album. Oh. And apparently it was about, he had these, uh, these uh, overzealous, like evangelical neighbors. I thought there was a lot of like, some anti-Christian stuff in here. Yeah, yeah. like it's, I think in particular, it's the whole aspect of sort of evangelism and how, how corporate churches have become in certain segments of that faith. And just, and it's just so obvious as well that it's, it's just purely just to fucking take advantage of people's faith, you know? But yeah, he had these neighbours in particular that used to kind of look down on him and sneer at him because he had long hair and stuff. And they were like overzealous Christians and he was just like, well, fuck it, you know. I think Crystal Mountain is a reference to their sort of, you know, their, their mountain Sinai. of faith, which is actually, you know, nothing but a, a hollow landscape, really. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. I like that idea. I was, I was reading the lyrics to Symbolic and I was wondering, I don't know if this is the case, but I was reading, like, it's about, like, precious memories and, like, being, um, it seems really vulnerable and open and like quite emotional. And I, I wondered if it was about his brother dying. So his brother died. Yeah. Um, like a few years. I don't know if it was before they formed or before the album, but um, 
like the lyrics are really emotional and are about like having holding on to what's around you and realizing that one day what's happening right now could be a precious memory. Yeah. And I thought that was like I, I was wondering if that was like um about like a death or or something like that. I think you're very very close to the mark. Apparently, from what I've read, symbolic is basically about the loss of innocence. Oh yes, I did get that. As a child, and you know, everybody's got that youthful wonder which kind of fades, and it always fades at a point where you don't realise it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's only in retrospect, and and I think a lot of the lyrics in the symbolic track are kind of in reference to um, you know, just just how wondrous a time was before you realised that you know that the world can be a pretty <laughs> cruel and unrelenting place. Mm. But no, but yeah, no doubt that was probably shaped by the loss of his brother because I think he was quite young when his brother died. Yeah. Because he was given, I know when he was given the guitar to help deal with the grief of losing oh, his brother. Oh, wow. That's when so he was sad. young. And I've, I've got, <laughs> I mean, like, fuck, I mean, how tough it, those parents, you know, to lose a child so young. Because the brother was 16 when he died. Yeah. And obviously Chuck died when he was 34. So, so I mean, that's a lot of grief for parents to have to deal with and go through. Yeah. Um, one of my favourite, <laughs> on a more positive note, <laughs> one of my favourite uh, lyrical uh, inspirations for one of the tracks is the uh, track Sacred Serenity. Do you know what that's about? What is it about? It's about cats and dogs. <laughs> right, yeah. it's about it's... cats are like, serene, serene? Cats are serene. <laughs> cats are serene and dogs are, I don't know, what's it about? It's literally just about his love for cats and dogs. That is so cute. And just about how they've just got, you know, just undying affection and they just look at a world. Aww. From such an innocent and pure perspective that humans can never really attain. I love that even more. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Like all my favorite bands, well, most of them, like Queen. I know um, they have like what's his face wrote a song called Delilah about how much he loves his cats. Yeah. And, like in the song, he just like he he literally meows in the song, but it it actually it's such a good song. Check out Delilah. It's it's beautiful. If you want to cry about a song that's about an animal dying, there's a band, um, a Silver Mount Zion. Yeah. It's a side project to album Godspeed You Black Emperor. And uh, they wrote an entire album. It's got a really long title, I can't remember it. But the whole album, or these parts of the album, are about his dog dying. Oh no! And there's one track called, it's called like Surrounded by Nine Angels by a Bedside or something like that. I'll have to get the correct titles at some point and I'll send it to you. But it's, it's really fucking sad. I'm literally tearing up thinking about <laughs> it. That makes me so sad. Oh my god. But, no, for what I know, I think Chuck was quite a, uh, it was definitely. Quite a big animal lover. I saw an interview of him once and he was wearing like a t-shirt. It was, like, it was like cats are metal or something like that. Or that like is fucking... awesome. But yeah, he just seemed like such a good fucking dude. Like, yeah. And it's just, I think that's the thing that just comes across every time I've seen him in interviews. And I think it comes across in his music. Because one of the things about death, which I really liked, is, uh, and this is quite prominent on the Symbolic album, is obviously the first two albums they did was very, you know, traditional death metal. It was one of the first bands to kind of pioneer that style. You know, it was... A lot of gore lyrics, you know, about zombies and you know shit like that. And whereas he decided to take a far more personal and introspective approach as it progressed, and it kind of I think opened people's mind into showing that death metal could be something more than just a one-trick pony, mm. which was just you know something that's just you know quite soulless really, because a lot of it is just you know inspired by like the giallo horror scene in Italy, you know, it's just, it's a lot of it's tongue in cheek. Obviously there's not a lot of death metal bands that are actually serious about what they're singing about. And it's, it's pretty like corny, but I feel like death were one of the first bands to um, kind of take lyrical inspiration from things that were happening in the real world. Like look at the track 1000 eyes. Like it's, it's almost prophetic. Like yeah. when you read about it, you know, it's talking about, you know, how, um, 
how fucking intimacy and privacy is, you know, going to be further and further uh, a luxury as time goes on. And that was written in like 95 or earlier. So I can look at the stage we're in now where like society is in the place where fucking... God is watching. What yeah, do you do? It's like really is Big Brother. I mean, like obviously like Orwell was writing and Huxley were writing about the shit like, you know, almost a century ago. But, um, mm. but it's just interesting to see that, you know, he had his mind obviously tuned to things outside the realms of you know, fucking having sex with dead bodies and, uh, <laughs> and zombies eating you alive or so. <laughs> but like, I think what I really like about Symbolic as an album is um, the music's so much more mature as well. I feel like this is their, this is death kind of at their peak. Like a lot of my friends think that Sound of Perseverance is their best album. I, I love all their albums. I think it's a really, I have a hard time picking which one is the best one because really I've got certain amounts of love for each album for different reasons. But I feel like Symbolic is like the perfect amalgamation of like, and it's even when you look at the guitar work on the album, there's so many different sort of techniques and playing styles on there. You've got the palm mute sections, you've got the tremolo, you've got you know a lot of harmonics, you know, a lot of di you know, diminished and dissonant riffs. It's just a really good amalgamation. And there's even a lot of silence on the album as well. Mm. Like they're one of the first death metal bands to have, like, it's one of the, you hear it in Zero Tolerance, you can hear it in Misanthrope, where there's parts where, you know, there's, there's, there's even silence in the song that, that allows the riff to kind of grow and fester, which I think is really cool. And not something a lot of death metal bands were doing. There was a big facet of death metal, which was all about just making it more extreme yeah. as time went on. You know, kind of bronzed off like that. Death were kind of along the same vein as atheists and cynic. And like they, they were wanting to um, create something that was a bit more musical. Whereas like you had other bands like, say, Suffocation, and that were just all about taking it to about as extreme and sort of gutter rules you can take it. So, no, it's great. It's a fantastic album. It's a sick album. I, I remember like. Um, I think Shem found this out that they were directly influenced by Atheist and that they were recording, I think it was Human? So they were recording Human, um, one of their al albums, but before they recorded, they heard Atheist recording one of their albums. They were rehearsing in like the same area, I think. Yeah. And they heard them playing, and like Chuck was like, that's fucking cool. So they were like, they, they was in like, immediately influenced by them like oh shit i yeah. had no idea that's cool yeah it's really cool yeah. I, i'm probably like completely miscommunicating what i heard but i know there is <laughs> there is some shit that happened and i believe that's kind of the gist of it but i, I was i love atheist and i, I yeah. love death i'm i'm probably one of those fans that um, a lot of people would want to gatekeep because I, I don't know every album like i know what they're called but i'm not like i can't name you track three of leprosy <laughs> I can't tell you what happens two minutes in, but I can tell you that they're one of the best death metal bands that's ever yeah. ever happened. I think one of the best metal bands. I think they are one of the best metal yeah. bands. Like this is definitely they're one of my top bands ever, and like yeah. I'm in so influenced by their music. Yeah. And like how I write music, how I enjoy music, they are just they're just like you know they they influence like I don't know many bands, at like ever, any bands really that don't. Like if you if you like music, it's hard not to like death. Yeah. Because they're just so good. Like yeah. it's hard to. I don't know anyone who's like, oh, death suck. You know. Yeah. And they they've got something for everyone. I think yeah. that's into heavy music, and I think that's perfectly uh, evident in the symbolic album. Yeah. You've got tracks that are groovy. You've got to tracks that are chocks. <laughs> you've got <laughs> tracks that are fast. You've got tracks that are a bit more emotive. You know, they've got older components of what it is that makes heavy music good, in my opinion. And there's emotion behind it as well. Like, they're, they're, not, they're not closed off. I mean, Chuck's not closed off. He's not, like, 
trying to hide how he really feels. He's not hiding behind like zombies and fucking no, no. dead bodies and shit. But like, I mean, there's, there's not there's anything completely wrong with that. It's just there's more to it than that. And yeah, it comes yeah, across in the music. It's just easier to connect to connect <laughs> connect to it <laughs> connect to it on a human level when like um. <laughs> so, do you know? Do you know what's funny about this shit? It's every time I'm about to make a deep point that I fuck up my words. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but it does it does allow you to connect to it on a more human level when like the lyrics uh, about shit that humans go through. Shem's dying, is he? He's, he's gone. He's actually in tears. <laughs> 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 I really hope that like I don't know. I feel like you must get really anxious before important days like weddings and things. Oh, like. don't even get me fucking started about weddings. It's um, I have had I had I went to a laughing fit once. Um, I've, I've fucking, I've definitely told the story before, but like the guy fucking, some fucking guy burped super loud. <laughs> and like me, my brother and my cousin were just there, just fucking, and I was super anxious, man. I was, you know that, you know that laughter you get when you <laughs> think, I need to hard. stop because this is going to cause a scene and that like just exacerbates it. I feel like when you, when you get married, you should have like a choir of frogs. You should have loads of frogs <laughs> that are like constantly croaking. That'd so like amazing. if someone burps, you won't be able to tell. Yeah, <laughs> that's good, that's a good point. <laughs> Get Frog Lord to play. That'd be cool. Do you reckon they could do a wedding march, like a doom sludgy version like of that? Like a frog version. That'd be cool. Yeah. I'll run it by Amy, see what she says. I'm sure she'll be cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> Dream wedding. Ah, uh, oh man. But I could honestly go on, on and on about death, but one of the things I kind of wanted to say was, um, it's interesting when you look at the, uh, the sort of the wide appeal they have in the metal scene. And because, each album is basically different band members. There's very few people that performed on more than one death album. You know, I think Gene Hoagland um, performed on two, uh, Steve DeGeorgio performed on a couple. He was actually meant to perform on Symbolic as well, but oh. I think he had his first child, so he had to go and look after that. But, it's, but when you look at the people that have been involved in the seven studio albums, like it's like a veritable who's who of the extreme metal scene. You've got like, like, like I was saying, Andy LaRock from King Diamond, you've got Sean Reinhardt, the guys from Cynic, Paul Masterville, you've got, uh, God, um, even, um, what's the name, Chris Reifert from Autopsy, he was the drummer on the first, um, the first album, Scream Bloody Gore, and the Autopsy went on to become a legendary band in their own sense. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at, like, the snowball effect and the splintering of all the members and the bands, that came as a result of like this band, it's actually like staggering. Mm. It's a bit like Napalm Death here, because Napalm Death had a similar like revolving door kind of situation with the band members. You know, Bill Steer, yeah. an early Napalm Death member, and you know, you know, Lee Dorian went on to do Cathedral. Like it's just crazy how how just one band Cathedral. Did I say Cathedral? <laughs> do you know what? In my head, I was thinking, do you know, I'm not actually too sure if I mispronounced that or not. No, but fuck it, I know it's cathedral, but I've never heard chefs that make that sound before. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, it's funny. Do you know what? I blame it on this weird early stage tinnitus that I've got going on at the moment. Oh, really? I don't know what the fuck it is. I'm going to get an appointment, but like. This is why my voice has been so booming last week because I'm literally str- I'm struggling to hear my own voice. So oh like, no. it's a bit like those when you know when you've got deaf people trying to speak. That's how yeah. I imagine how I sound. I hear it when you you can only hear your voice inside your head. You feel like you're underwater. That's yeah. like 
Yeah. That's maybe what you've it means got it's Christmas. or something. Maybe you need to get your ears drained or. That's what I'm thinking. I'm going to get an appointment. I'm like, I'm not in any pain or anything, but it's. Try dropping some olive oil in there. Yeah, my mum's got some of those um, hop eye candles. I've heard they, I've heard candles and drainage can go wrong. Yeah. Um, and you can like damage your hearing. But I've heard that if you loosen it up with some oil, like like a drop every day. Doctor Nina's here. <laughs> Your YouTube doctor's here. I've got my my doctor at the University of. of can't I, uh, no, I'm not gonna make a date joke. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, no, apparently, like when I when I got my ears. Because um, I had to get like custom plugs made, and you've got to have empty ears for it. If you've got wax, yeah. it ruins it. So I had to put oil in my ear every day for like ten days. If you put yeah. one drop in at the end, I could hear everything. It was amazing. Yeah. I've so, heard that uh, like when you get them syringed, it's like it's like just being born again. Like it's just you can hear things like so clearly. I didn't even get them syringed, but I would have had to. Like you have to loosen them to get them syringed. You have to do the yeah. oil thing anyway. So you may like it's worth trying or doing some reading about it, and yeah. hopefully you can hear again. Yeah, that'll be all right. But the good thing is I can still like, because um, when I first had it, it was like really like booming and had that underwater thing and I couldn't like discern, even when I was trying to listen to music, like it was all very sort of sludgy. But Damn. now, weirdly enough, I've kind of, I don't know if it's just my brain has found a way to train <laughs> the part that's <laughs> ringing just to be at the back of my head and I can still hear most other things that's all right. Bad. I heard that like when you have tinnitus, what you hear is the last time you'll ever hear that frequency. Because oh, you, you're losing that frequency forever. Because oh, it's quite often a really high pitched or like really low. I get really low pivots after a gig. You hear that like, ooh, you know what I mean? Yeah. You have that low level hum. And then if it's like a death metal gig with like lots <laughs> of high guitars, you can hear the like really high pitched one. Oh man, <laughs> that first time you go to a loud gig and your ears are ringing for like a yeah. fucking day, that is a unique feeling. You're just like, wow, I'm a real music fan now. I'm <laughs> <my> hearing. <laughs> yeah, fucked up my hearing, yeah. Woo! I'm in the club. <laughs> Oh, I remember I was a kid and like a composer came around my house and he had such bad tinnitus he started screaming. Oh, what, just randomly or without prompts? He was a classical composer and he was just like, ah, he just like cried <laughs> out. It was so strange. Yeah. Uh. He was like, where are earplugs, kids? And I was like, okay. I can imagine that would be such a great TED talk, the composer walks on stage, screams <laughs> for about 10 minutes, just says, where are earplugs, kids? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so uh, that could work. But back to uh, the topic of question, death symbolic. It's um, I, fucking, I could just go on and on, but like it's 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 one of those all time classic albums to me, and mm -hmm. I think it's uh, it's a great representation of. I think it's the best album for a beginner fan to listen to. Yeah, I would say listen to symbolic first because it's got some uh, song structures in there that are quite accessible. I think to someone who maybe isn't so. Um, well-versed in the more extreme side of the metal spectrum. The production is very good as well. And then oh, it's a remaster, I don't know if I listened to the remaster. I think yeah. I listened to both, but the production is just brilliant. Yeah, uh, most of the albums, if not all of them, were done at Mora Sound, which is just which was just like the death metal place to, if you wanted a death metal album, you'd get it done at Mora Sound. Mm -hmm. Like the early Gorguts albums were recorded there. Yeah. Um, and stuff, and Gorguts, one of the great band. They should review them at some point. Gorguts are amazing. But I think just, it's, sorry, go ahead. No, I just, I didn't know what I was going to say. I was just going to say, yeah, well, fucking, just just love it. I think it's quite bold that they started the album with their travel track, title track. Yeah, that doesn't happen too often, does it? Shepard's like, I might not edit it. Please edit this album. I'll leave that in. Oh, God damn it. Title track. Yeah. I think it's bold to start with um, with Symbolic. Yeah, you don't get that too often, do you? You don't. 
No. I think quite often a band will pick like the middle track or the last or like something later on in the album. So like often people will get to it and be like, ah, this yeah. must be the best track in the album. I think maybe that's a mod more modern like marketing thing. I don't know if it was different like you know thirty years ago when yeah oh my god thirty years ago when this was um, when this was recorded. Yeah, that's crazy to think actually. It's been that long. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. I remember. Uh, I think it was. Um, I can't remember which. Uh, the new site it was, but one of them it was like a uh, albums that turned um, <laughs> turned like fifteen this year. This was like a few years back, and it was like mastered on the um, no. uh, Leviathan. I was no, like, it's like fifteen. I was like, fuck off. I remember when that came out. I mean, yeah. So like 15 years. You know what really gave me like a weird feeling was Alan Avril joined Primordial the year I was born. <laughs> he joined in 91 when he was 16 and he's now 43. Yeah. Well, he was 43 when the Wikipedia article was written. Yeah. But like, there's a guy on his birthday that just changes the article. God, that's mad. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But I think that more or less covers it for me for death, unless there's anything else burning you want to talk about. I think I've covered it. I think, yeah. I think you know, I mean, this is a 10 out of 10 album for me. I'm yeah. not going to bother, like, pretending it's not. Oh, easily, easily. Yeah. And, like, to be honest, like, I don't think, I would just say, if anybody's not listened to Symbolic, then, or Death's discography, you're doing yourself a massive, massive disservice. Yeah. Because they're such a, uh, such a cornerstone of the extreme metal kind of realm. And it's funny because, like, um, and to go back to what we we're saying about the UK bands and how they, it's how they, um, how so many like classic bands came from the small islands. It's funny how we, when you look at bands like, say, Venom, like, it's funny how Venom was such a big influence to so many bands, and they kind of almost single-handedly spun it off, you know, sort of death and black metal. And it's like I'm not even the biggest Venom fan, to be honest, but I'm not good jam some of the music but it's, it's just crazy how something that has such humble beginnings can have such a snowball effect and create something that's like like i think we're living in an age now where i think like the subgenres have just become a bit ridiculous but yeah. it's um but i think you know death kind of just reminds me of a simpler time when Before just like you know, heavy music was heavy music yeah but pirate metal or wizard metal or <laughs> zombie metal gorilla metal like yeah. frog metal that's frog, cool. frog metal's cool I, I can live with that yeah. oh that, that's that's really <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, i guess a pass but yeah. no yeah but i echo what you said i mean this is like a classic album i mean it's it's, it's in the upper echelon of albums i've ever listened to in the history of music yeah i agree yeah i mean i mean that's death like, if anyone actually who listens to this goes and listens to death for the first time we would love to know how you found it because yeah. it'd be really interesting to get that perspective. I, I would, I'm interested to meet someone who doesn't like death as well. I would like to know why, or how someone feels, or you know, if it's not their cup of tea. Like, I've not really, I've not really met anyone that's like... No, like there's, um, on some videos I've watched, I've seen comments from a, a, a guy who's, um, whose username is Morbid Angel is better than death. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... So, I mean, I don't know if he doesn't like death, or um, he at least thinks that Morbid Angel are better than Ooh, them. Wow. I, mean, I like Morbid Angel, so I'm not going to slam them. I mean, apart from uh, Illid... Uh, Illid and Satana. Yeah. That's the, only, that's the only Morbid Angel I've ever listened to, because... <laughs> the worst entry point in musical history. They like, really fucked themselves on that one, though. <laughs> you, you couldn't pick a shitter album from any band in existence to... <laughs> I saw them play it live, and I was like, I'm out! <laughs> 
I can't. I've never listened to these guys again. I looked at the well, David Vincent Neal. What's his name? David. Yeah, David Vincent. Evil Dave. Evil Dave. Evil Dave. <laughs> David Vincent Neal. Um, I looked at him and I was like, this guy looks like someone's drawn him. His hair looks like it's been like just glued on. <laughs> like, it's just, I feel like he's gonna do like a Giuliani. It's gonna melt onto his face. When he's like, I don't. I, I can't take him seriously, man. But yeah, maybe maybe one day I'll get it. I'm, I'm gonna play you um, Altars of Madness. Okay. And then you can uh, you can see that they, uh, they they have done some good albums, some I'm very sure good albums. They're an amazing band. I'm yeah. sure. And I've said before, they you can you can hear like if you're a Gojira fan, mm. like listen to Morbid Angel because <laughs> bring Morbid Angel. Angel. <laughs> I just go like this. <laughs> I was like, that's Shem stripping again. Sit you in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> But like, if you're a Gojira fan, like, fucking listen to Morbid Angel. Like, it's because, like, you, you can... can... <laughs> Sorry. Because he's lost it. <laughs> was it the Gojira? Was it the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite Morbid Angel album, Sham? Uh, man, that's hard. Yeah, I mean, like, I think I'm, I, I prefer Evil Dave, so I like like the classics. Yeah, but then I really like Gateways to Annihilation. I like to see Tucker as well. But, yeah, I don't know all of them. Yeah, <laughs> they're great. Your favorite album? Yeah, when all... you're cremated, you want your ashes to be pressed in every <sighs> single one of them. Yeah, I really don't know. I like really like all of them, honestly. I I, I just. They're kind of like, it's a bit like Opeth, right? Like sometimes you just go, oh, I want to oh, listen okay. to My Arms Your House and yeah. sometimes you want to listen to Sorceress. They're like different moods. It's hard to, I feel like we're, there's so much pressure on us to have one favourite thing. Like, yeah, it's like... Why is that? Yeah, it's weird. It's like, because if someone had to come to me and say, I'll pick like your five favourite bands or like, or the worst one, if you had to try and pick your ten favourite songs, like, that's literally fucking impossible. Yeah. Like, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. I can't fathom having to, because... Each, every time I'm in a different mood, I'm in the mood to listen to something that reflects that. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, like a fucking, so it's just, it's just an impossible task. It's like putting your iPod on shuffle and like there are days when you just don't want to listen to half your music. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I have days yes. like that. But one interesting thing, I just want to quickly say about Morbid Angel is all their albums are in alphabetical order. So they deliberately no title way. their albums in the alphabet. So the first album to alter some madness. That's blessed as the sick and covenant domination. Are they going to go all the way to Z? Well, they're on K at the moment. Wow, yeah. what happens after Z? They're going to do numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Cyrillic alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be really impressive, actually, if they could do that. <laughs> but yeah, I think we should uh, segue into the next uh, review on the list. That'll be Primordial's Exile Amongst Ruins, released in 2018. What's your kind of uh, experience with Primordial prior to this album? Um, prior to Primordial, um, I I've always liked Primordial. I've always thought they were a, a really good band. I thought Alan Avril was like I like how outspoken he is. I like how he's kind of like a little bit miserable and grumpy. Um, he's like I was I once interviewed Ailstorm and um, we were talking about we were talking about bald men um, and they were like my they they said their favorite bald person is Alan Avril. Yeah, oh, that's um, cool. and I think that's a really good take. I think yeah. him and and um, Patrick Stewart are among my favorite Paul people. Yeah, um, and like yeah, I, I just I, I like the music. It's it's this like kind of energy that they've got. This kind of driving energy, and they're like, I like that they 
they talk about their identity and their Irishness, but it's not like everything they do at the same time. No. And I was I was reading an interview, and then Alan's like specifically about um, Exile Amongst Ruins because the well the lyrics I thought were about like Irish independence and like politics and things, but he he does say that it's not. It's not just about Ireland. Yeah. Like he's that's not the whole point of the band. And he talks about how he's kind of making a point about the West in general, which I think is like really cool that he's doing that. He's not just focusing on one little thing. He's yeah. looking at the big picture. Did you watch that video of Metal Blade done, where he goes through? He done the video where he goes through the lyrical meaning behind each track on the album. I did not. I wish no. I knew that was there because I would through all the the things like I googled all the like cool Irish words. Yeah, I took the easy way out. I was like, oh, fuck <laughs> it, I'm gonna watch this. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's funny you mentioned the West because one of the tracks, um, I think, it's upon spiritual deathbed, which is actually my favorite track on the album. No way. Because it reminds me of another primordial song, which is actually. Not only my favourite primordial song, one of my favourite songs of all time. Damn. Uh, the Coffin Ships. It's a really good song. They're catchy numbers. Oh, it's fucking good. And the thing is, you can tell in that track, uh, I'll talk about spiritual deathbed in a second, but what I love about the Coffin Ships is because that is about Irish history. Yeah. It's about things like the potato famine and stuff, and you can yeah. feel like the ancestral rage and melancholy and sorrow come through in that song. And yeah. it's just, just the composition and the guitar leads are unreal. But yeah, but this track upon the spiritual deathbed, he says that it's to do with like um, how how the West. I think his exact words were the the West is spiritually bankrupt. Yeah, I really like how. So the thing I didn't need to Google, which um is always like a bias when I feel that way about an album, is like he starts with to hell or the hangman, and he's. I mean, does he? He does. I'm pretty sure he does. Now I have that horrible doubt. You get when you say something with utter certainty. And you're like, what <laughs> if I'm wrong? You just know some guy's gonna be like, well, actually, actually, you're no. wrong. Oh, she got it wrong. <laughs> the girl in the death shirt. She's a stupid female metal case. Oh, don't tell anything. She's just here for the guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just like to melt for the dick. That's track, all I'm here for. Track one is nail their tongues. That's it. I knew it. I knew I was wrong. I was so certain I had to be wrong. Nail the tongues. I was like, wait, this isn't a but. So that's that track is about Martin Luther. Yes. Um, who like he nails the ninety-five proclamations. I think they're called to the to the church door in Wittenberg, which apparently might not have happened. But anyway, he started Lutheranism and the whole schism schism between Catholic and Protestant and like the Reformation. And I think that's really cool because like I mean Ireland is. Yeah historically very much affected by that whole thing yeah. Um, and it's yeah I just I really like that he, he wrote a song about that where he's like kind of he's looking at the root of, of the history of that and like that was such a momentous occasion yeah. and it's a really catchy song as well it's yeah like that's a great song it's um it's one of the few tracks as well that has some sort of black metal elements because mm -hmm. the interesting thing about Primordial is when you listen to the earlier stuff they're kind of like a black metal band with some doom folk influences but I yeah. feel like when the Gathering Wilderness came out, that's that's where they kind of made a transition into being more of a doom band with some black metal yeah, influences. That's when Alan got switch. a bit miserable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's um, but the, what I like about that track is it's got a great kind of like a tremolo style um, riff towards the end, which is very like second wave black metal-y, and it's and it's funny because that plays long after most of the other instrumentation has stopped. So just a cool way to end the track, I thought it was really good. I like it when I do that. There was one track that I, I had a little bit of, mm, I didn't feel so good about. Um, oh, for God's sake, this doesn't respond to my touch. Sunken Lungs. Um, that like The drums on that track were, are really strange. Like I feel like they're trying to do something with the drums. There's yeah. like this kind of shuddering, this like shuddering thing they do through the whole song where the drum, this drum's kind of like do 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 but it's like 
almost out of time and everything is almost about to fall apart and I feel like maybe they're trying to kind of recreate like a like someone gasping for breath or yeah. like something like about how like fragile breathing can be or if, if it's just when I was listening to it I just felt uncomfortable like yeah. I felt like it was all going to fall apart Do you know what? that's that's really cool that you picked that up because yeah. like when I watched the video he said that song was just about the ocean and being at sea and he actually mentioned the drum pattern on it because he said it's a weird time signature. Yeah, it is. He said it was like an 11-8 or something. And it says, and that's the first thing I kind of picked up when I heard it. I was like, oh, these drums sound, you know, they're, yeah. they're different. I liked it because it kind of had a like a rolling sort of feel to it, which kind of I was like reminiscent of like being on the ocean and yeah. seeing the waves and stuff, a kind it of crashing is. sound to it. Yeah. And like, and he said it's one of the tracks on the album that's relatively simple from a lyrical perspective. So it's just about being on the ocean and just the... The wild nature of the sea, mm. which is, I mean, it's probably something a lot of Irish people kind of feel a uh, kind of connection to being so close to you know the the. It's a lot of folklore about sea folk. Yeah, yeah. I was reading about like the Fomorians. Fomorians, they're like the this like mythical race of like sea giants or something. I'm probably getting this wrong. Please, um, let me let me look because it's really cool. And he talks about Baylor as well. One-eyed Baylor reigns oh, king. Cool. And yeah, Baylor was the leader of the Fomorians who are a group of malevolent supernatural beings he is often described as a giant with a large eye that wreaks destruction and opens. So that, that must be the trap about all the, the eyes and yeah. stuff. That's really cool. Um, and then like Roizen, I, I saw like they in Dark Horse on the Wind, they're like talking about like the nation's soul. The flames leapt high, reached the sky till they seared a nation's soul in the ashes of our broken dreams. We've lost sight of our goal. Oh, then rise, 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 dark horse in the wind and help our hearts seek Roizen, our soul again to find. And apparently it's a common, Roizen is an Irish translation of the nationalistic poem, Dark Rosaline, which is a personification of Ireland. So like, I really like how they're, they're dropping stuff like that in there, but like quite casually, they're not like having yeah. to, being too obvious, I don't know, not too obvious, it's not like that, but then they're, they're like just expressing themselves yeah. and you have to go find the meaning, which I really like stuff like that. Well, it's, it's very authentic, isn't it? Because that's their heritage. And like one of the yeah. things I find about Primordial is like, they sound very Irish. They do, yeah. And it's like, it's one of the, and they are one of the earliest Irish metal bands, you know, mm -hmm. of like obviously you've got Thin Lizzy, you can argue a proto-metal, but, but like, but Primordial are like one of the few, especially like the the more extreme or diversified subgenres of metal, they're one of the, the first prominent bands of that. And I feel like they've done a lot for the Irish scene because they've, and it's, you know, it's, because you could listen to, there's a lot of music you listen to, whether it be black, death metal, doom, and it, you, you can't discern where it comes from because the influence might be from somewhere where, they, where originally, where the original artist wasn't from. But mm. like Primordial, it's like, it just sounds so Celtic. Yeah. And so I don't know if that's to do with like the song structure or just the sincerity. I mean, even Alan's voice as well Alan's sounds... voice does sound very Celtic. Yeah. Yeah. He's got this like richness that only that, that kind of voice can have. Yeah. And I think that's really unique and it's really nice to hear metal like that that's in, written in this way. It's like yeah. so heavy in between genres in like a really cool way. Yeah. And that's why, yeah, going on from that point, that's why I really like what he's done with his vocal style. Because at first he was more doing you know, the traditional sort of black metal screeching high-pitched stuff and he kind of I think realized that his actual voice mm. was a lot more you know a lot more appealing than you know the stuff that every other artist is doing yeah and like um, I think actually this album probably features one of his stronger vocal performances yeah because um I know he's had a bit of vocal burnout in the past 
So, but I think whatever he's done, he's got it back on form on this album, and like, it's got quite a good range. Like, he's hitting like a lot of higher notes, and he's even doing a bit more. This season, he's incorporated some more of the harsh vocals again in some of the tracks, like uh, nailed in um, the first track. I can't remember. Well, got nailed their tongues. What's it called? Nail their tongues. It's nail their tongues. Yeah. I thought there's a band called Nail Their Tongues. I know there isn't. It's like there's a band like Nail Their Tongues. Nail Their Tongues. Nail Their Tongues. Yeah, they're that crazy experimental Dutch band. Yeah. But um, yeah, so Nail Their Tongues. That was um, like that's just got such such a good vocal performance on it. I reckon, and I reckon that's always been an important part of Primordial's music because mm-hmm. he does a very good job of uh, orating his lyrics. Like it's very powerful and it's like very poetic as well. I feel because the lyrics are very good and like like you said, they cover a lot of topics. Like you know, it's not just about um, Irish mythology and or Irish folklore and history. He he covers quite a throughout all the albums they've done. They cover quite a wide gamut of historical topics. Yeah, definitely. And uh, even the slightly more introspective tracks. Like I think one of the tracks on this album, uh, "Stolen Years," mm. which is a really good kind of sombre melancholic track. And when I was watching the video of him talking about the lyrical being, he says it's just about you know time on the road as a band. I thought that was about touring. So it was yeah. about waking up at five a.m. and yeah. like, that feels like a tour thing. Yeah, yeah, he says that's literally what it's about. It's just about you know it's, he says you know you go through so much grind as a touring band, especially a band in their position that have been going since you know the late eighties. And but you know there's always a payoff at the end of the day, whether it be the gig or you know connecting with people on the level that you can only really do through music, really, and, and the arts, which is what. Um, is slowly being taken away from our society currently, but I won't get into that too much. But <laughs> Avril on the Damnation podcast was talking about how if he found out there'd never be a gig again, he just wouldn't do, he'd just stop Primordial. He wouldn't release any more music, because that's why he said that, um, I believe, that he, he does it for the touring, for the shows. That's like the main part of the band for him, but it's yeah. also not their full-time project. Like. He he said that they all like they have it as on something on the side and yeah. something they can go back to and they have times where they don't do it for a, for a while and they don't rehearse for like a few months and then they come back to the band. I think that's a really healthy approach. I think that's probably the only way to keep a band going so long is doing it through 100%. that way, right? Because you couldn't like you couldn't have the same drive if you were. And let's be realistic, there's no fucking money in the metal scene. Like, he says the same thing, yeah, like, there isn't. Not unless you have like an incredible manager who like does like loads of publishing deals for yeah. you and things like that, yeah. That's why, you know, I've got respect for people like um, Eric Rutan, who's the guitarist for uh, Morbid Angel. He was guitarist for Morbid Angel and Hate Eternal, and I think he's now a permanent guitarist for Cannibal Corpse. But he just realised that, you know, to, to make money in the scene, while still being involved in the scene, is just to produce albums and have your own studio. And like, and he's produced a lot of major albums, and it's just you know, I think it's a good way to make a living and still be connected in the scene. Okay. Much of the same way, why you know, why we're doing stuff like this, because it's good to you know. Yeah, I mean, like, if you if you want to make money in music, don't be a musician. <laughs> you can't do everything apart from the music. That like, if you work in like management or publishing or booking, and I think even in, in if you're like a promoter, that's pretty hard as well. Which is yeah. kind of what we want to do too. So. Like, what to do? For you guys, would you would you share that belief that like the pro, that the main kind of goal for a band is to perform big live shows, or would you say the recording the music is the thing that's the more it, important? I think it's different for each member of the band. Like for me, um, I make music because I want to preserve a part of my culture and heritage. I yeah. also want to like create something that people who are in my very specific situation can relate to which are very few people so like i don't i'm not doing this to like get big and famous i'm just kind of doing it for my own like mental health 
yeah. and well-being and because like for some reason I feel like I just feel like an incredible urgency to just get to just do it to just like make something like that and I feel like I would feel fulfilled if I did that I think for the other members of the band that's definitely not their priority because why would it be I wouldn't yeah. expect it to be I think I think you know it is it would be amazing to play big shows as well I think I think for me the it'll be long the the lasting will be the I can't speak the the thought of having that like (laughs) the thought of like having put down music that is like going to be there when I'm gone is like going to last longer the satisfaction than playing a big show but I definitely want to be successful and play big shows too yeah I'd say there's probably some similarities between you and maybe Alan and Primordial in that aspect because there's aspects of your culture that have been tried to be eradicated by other forces yeah um I think that's one of the reasons I like Primordial and like I think I like how Alan reaches to the past to yeah. express that, to like going back in history because I feel like that's more powerful and more relatable to a large number of people. Yeah. I feel like it's easier to get your point across and it also piques interest for people to go and, and go down those roads and paths and, and discover it for themselves and see how history has unfolded because I don't know a huge amount about the troubles in Ireland yeah. and I think, um, I think he, he does it in a way which is going to make you more open to learning about it. Yeah. As opposed to just like doing a fucking sabaton and just like reading the Wikipedia article in his lyrics, you know? That would yeah. be as interesting. Yeah. <laughs> no offense, sabaton. Shots sure, Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't mind, I'll tell you a story afterwards. That's an NSFW about sabaton. Oh my. But no, it's. Um, no, I think you're right. Um, and it's funny because on uh, one of the tracks. Uh, he was talking about lyrically, it's kind of um, inspired by this notion that there's certain facets of the West or modern society that are looking to erase history. And you could call it whatever you want, you could refer to it as woke culture or, you know, but it's, there's some people that think that the best way to eradicate modern problems in society, whether they be, no matter what sort of category or branch they fall under, is to eradicate as much history as possible. Mm. And um, it's a bit of a touchy subject. I think it depends on the context, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, you know, it's... Because he was mentioning, like, you know, the, the whole thing about uh, statues being torn down. Mm. And he said, it made a good point. I thought it was a good point. He says, like, you know, sometimes statues can serve as a warning to people. Like, yeah. you may not agree of who, who that person was that was immortalized in the statue. But, like, you know, this still doesn't change the fact that history is history. And what's happened has happened. Like, there's, I think there's a difference between recognizing it and celebrating it. I think it's. I think it depends on how they're presented because I think a lot of those statues. I I, I partly agree with him. I I think personally I prefer the statues not being there yeah. because you would walk past them and think that's an important person. You'd like the plaque isn't going to say this guy is a slave trader. It's going to say yeah, this guy yeah. is great. He yeah. he had loads of businesses and traded sugar. La la la. <laughs> I think like you know as a kid you're walking in through the town you see this guy like shining in the sun above you you're like wow that's pretty cool this guy must be important wow what's my voice doing (laughs) (laughs) this guy must be important but like i mean i think i like the idea of maybe having like a red plaque you know how you have blue plaques in london maybe you can have a red plaque it's like this guy was a slave owner and he killed x amount of people and like he was put here as like you're part of this imperialist ideal idealism of like glorifying these horrible murderers throughout history That could be a thing, um, but I think, you know, some statues 
a part of the tearing down of a statue is also part of its history. Like the Saddam statue in Iraq. Yeah, people When that was pulled down, that was a huge moment in yeah. the history of the Iraqi people and, and of war in the West. And like, you know, I, I, I'm cool with that, I think. Um, sorry to massively ruin the tone of that conversation, but yeah. you've seen the meme video. You know, the fucking, <laughs> it's, um, you know that meme where the fucking kid goes, what are those? To people's shoes. Have you seen that? <laughs> you seen? Oh, fuck. But basically, there's a video of Saddam Hussein's statue getting pulled down, and because it obviously his hands in the air, so it's like, what are those? As it falls down, I'll show you off. <laughs> That's such a weird least. I do this when I'm like trying to make a point. When I'm like really, I'm like, I just start, I start doing the, <laughs> the Middle East and Queen's wave. Like it's a very Italian thing as well, the gesticulation, isn't it? it we is. work with enough Italians to say that it's a very... Uh, I think poetic languages yeah. really like, um, you can really emphasize them. With a, I don't like the point. The point is too, I don't like this. This is something my father does, is that... But yeah, I think the... Yeah, I like pointing in general, but randomly. I think this kind yeah. of, the underpoint, like, yeah. it's like cricket, right? The under, the underpoint is cool. I yeah. think that's less aggressive. But this, if yeah. you're, if you're garling someone on stage, that's cool. This is kind of like, you, you're fucked. You say garling someone if on you're stage. Gar you're this is the garl, <laughs> yeah, no. the garl point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm scared uh, I, of tape of making fun of garl in case he kidnaps me. <laughs> I don't think yours is type. <laughs> Oh god! Oh no! Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah, if I was on stage, I always wanted to. <laughs> I like, I like the, uh, I like that. I think that's quite powerful. Oh, like look at me! Like, I'm yeah. a singer now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I don't know, just that or, or a classic, um, classic fucking throat slash. That's a good one. Oh, that's that's pretty good. You're like screaming, and you, yeah. you do the throat slash. I mean, if I did that, it wouldn't work. Uh, I like it. Alan does it on stage. Does he? Does yeah, he does the whole. Yeah, no, that was quite oh, cool. cool. He's got some quite good uh, mannerisms in there. Yeah. Uh, metal gesticulation going on in this live show. I want to work in some some more. Like, I want to be a little bit more dynamic. Occasionally, like, I do. I do the old point. I yeah. do the point. I thought about like cupping people's faces. I thought you were going to say something else. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just walking up to people, just, ah. just cupping them in the face. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that you can't see the gesticulations I'm doing on, on Spotify ah. right now because they're yeah. horrifying. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm even cupping someone. Someone did cut my face once. I, I was seeing oh. Matt on fire, and um, Matt, I think, might have recognised me. He, at the end of the show, tussled my hair and then cupped my face. Oh. And it was very strange. That's, that's nice. It, <laughs> I... <laughs> you're, you're worried. <laughs> it's quite cute. It, it was it was nice, but yeah. very confusing because yeah. it was like very just he's like shaking everyone's hand and then you get your face cupped. Um, but I, I kind of like the idea of like just randomly fucking with people like coming through with someone just like just you know like just reaching just, out and yeah. There's this amazing story. I'm just retelling it. It is from an old metal injection video. I was talking last week about the band The Red Chord. Yeah. An early deathcore band, and the, uh, the the singer guy was saying that what he used to do, he used to love fucking with people. <coughs> Excuse me. And what he um, said was what he used to do was go on stage and um, start making like a fucking like motion of like a scarecrow going like this. <laughs> Because that's what the old singer of Suicide Silence used to do. Oh, I see. And he said, like, oh, I said it looked like a pterodactyl. And he said, like, oh, I've got this new stage move. I want people in the crowd to stop doing. And he called it the pan-pterodactyl. Oh, my God. And then he said, like, the more and more shows he would do, the more people would just be, like, dancing <laughs> like that. And I'm just like, that's so fucking cool, man. That's, like, <laughs> the best part of being a frontman, just 
fucking with people. Oh, uh, yeah, like we, we kind of do that when we're writing. We're like, how can we really confuse people? And like, we, the one of the first things we do is put a blast beat at the end of a Doom song. Just um, one, or? We have, we have just like a two minute, well, it might look okay. a minute long blast beat. And then, and when we when we played it live, people would be legitimately confused. <laughs> yeah, it was a, like I, I just that was my favorite part of the set would be watching people just be like, huh? Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. What's, like what she was singing blues? Like why? Yeah, that's yeah. just a fun thing. That's cool. Yeah. Be looking to do more kind of like blast beat shit in the potentially. Maybe we'll see what happens. Oh, no, we'll wait and see. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, it's not going to ruin anything for anyone. But. No. Yeah. Uh, back to uh, Exile Among the Ruins. Oh, yes. Um, I think this is a very, very good uh, Primordial album and an excellent addition to their frankly stellar discography. 100%. Um, if I was, so I'm, to be honest, the last few albums, I wouldn't say I've been treading water, but they, they were a bit more standard Primordial. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like this is kind of like a touch above, similar to like The Gathering Wilderness, which is probably my favorite Primordial album. You know, mm -hmm. It's just got a great blend of uh, melodies and just the guitar work is just fantastic in Primordial. I love the, yeah, I love the leads and the layering and everything just sounds so good. And they produce like, it well. Yeah, it's produced very, very well. But I think it's a fantastic album. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'd give it a seven. I give I'd, I'd give it more. I give about maybe an eight point five. I think I think eight. Oh, okay, now I'm bad. <laughs> I like it. I just we. Do, I'm sorry, but after death, after after symbolic, how could I give this? Like it doesn't feel like an eight to symbolic. It feels like a seven to symbolic. But I guess it's an eight compared to like a normal album. I don't know. So this is where like rating becomes so tricky, isn't it? Because it's just like it's so because like symbolic. Uh, a lot of death discography to me is like head and shoulders above a lot of other shit I've ever listened to. Yeah. So like yeah, I suppose in in comparison to that, it's you're probably more likely to give an album a less favourable mark. But like I, I, I'm 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 a big Primordial fan though, so like I hold them very, very high regard as a band, so mm. it's very easy for me to give this album a high rating. I think they're one of the best bands on like in I guess the UK you would call it. I don't know if I'm if they're like not how does it work? Like Northern Ireland is UK, but yes. are they they like, Irish or Northern Irish? They're from Dublin Island. Well, they're based in Dublin Island, which okay. is the Republic of Ireland. So they're not. So they would not consider themselves part of the UK. No. Okay, no. I'm really sorry if I offended anyone no. there. I'm learning. Um, but yeah, so the, I think they're one of the best bands in this part archipelago. Of the world. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> yeah. It's an archipelago, right? Yeah. I think they're really good. They they play a lot of shows in the UK, so I feel like that's. Hopefully, fair to say. I'm really sorry if it's not. I take it back if it isn't. <laughs> yeah, I'd say them along with um, another Irish band I really love is uh, Morning Beloved. Yeah. And um, we, me and Shem were talking about them a little bit um, mm -hmm. on the other weeks off the air, but um, they're super, super good. That's like primordial, but like more death doom orientated. Like a, a bit more miserable <laughs> in Southern, <laughs> if you can picture that. But like they've got some. I'll I'll link you an album. It's an album called The Murderous or A Murderous Circus. It's super fucking good. Like it's it's really really such a great like doom record. That's a really difficult album then to say. Yeah, a murderous circus. You say yeah. it like five times really fast. I wonder if it works. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the name of this album is really good as well. Exile Marks the Ruins. I think that like perfectly sums up Primordial's music in a way, or like how I feel about it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, like Alan's always had such a good way with words and lyrics and stuff. Like you know, they they all have meaning. There's no wasted, you know, there's, mm, there's no throwaway no lyrics years. or tracks ever. Yeah, isn't wasted years a, an Iron Maiden song? Stolen years, wasted years. Stolen years. St it's on this album. 
Yeah, but isn't there an Iron Maiden song like Wasted Years? Uh, we can ask Matt if you want. We can ask, we can ask, uh, <laughs> <laughs> ask a computer. <laughs> Please Google. <laughs> yeah, there is an Iron Maiden song called Wasted Years. There we go. I can't believe I knew that. But that's good knowledge for someone that doesn't listen to, <laughs> to <laughs> Iron Maiden. <laughs> I never listen to Iron Maiden, I have no idea. Yeah, for some reason, I can, I can hear, this, I don't know how I know how this song goes, but I can hear the chorus of Wasted Years in my head throughout the entirety of this conversation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was, I was wondering if that was a thing. Um, but I think that that's, that's uh, primordial. Yeah, I think that's all I want to say on the subject. Okay. Uh, Are you okay? Do you, <laughs> have you any comments on Primordial, Sean? No? Should I Primordial? Uh, I feel okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no one's never performing with Primordial confirmed here. No, 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 no. I've just never really, um, to be honest, I'd never even heard of them until I met Nina. Really? I've never I thought heard they were really well known. No, well, they are. Like, I've since discovered they're a huge band, but okay. I just. And none of my friends ever listened to them, none of my friends ever went on about them, I never went to a show where they were supporting my headlining. I just somehow missed Primordial for so long yeah. that they're quite new for me and I haven't really like, I like, I like this album, I've listened to it, it's really good. But um, yeah, I just, I think unfortunately I just kind of missed them for a large chunk of my musical history. Yeah, I got into them a bit later. I don't, there's some bands that just, did you ever get that with some bands just decide what to listen to for some reason? Yeah. yeah. And it's just what like... Like, yeah. what's the one for me? Um, oh, there's, a, there's a band, uh, Intronaut. Have you ever heard of them? I've heard of Intronaut, yeah. Yeah, and I'm just like, look, I've had friends since we've passed away, you really dig them, but I'm just like, ah, it's just the name, I just don't like it. Don't they're they're a roadburn band, I feel. I think they're like slightly proggy, techy. Yeah. But I don't know, I've never listened to their music, so I can tell you. I think I've, I've, I've listened to them on Spotify and then not realised I've listened to them. I think they're one of those bands where I look at the Spotify on Shuffle and I'm like, oh, it's that band! I've always wondered what they sound like and then forget about them. I get, I, I get them mixed up with Russian circles all the time. Oh. To me, they're both just bands of guys with short hair and beards that make yeah. proggy kind of music with no singing. Yeah. Like, I just have a whole section. Yeah, that's what I mean, bands like, Polyphia and Periphery, like, I, yeah. I couldn't distinguish them, I've never listened to them. I, I listened to Periphery because I liked Bulb, because I liked Misha Mansour, and then Bulb is just better. Yeah. I like Misha Mansour way more than Periphery, and he left anyway, so it doesn't matter. But he has loads of sports cars now, and it confuses me. Oh. Yeah, it's very, sorry, it's a very random segue. But shall we talk about Lingua Mota? Yes. I say? Yeah, how did you find this album? Okay, so obviously this is very short, mm. so there's not too much material to cover here. So yeah. what I was going to say was just talk a little bit about my experience with her as an artist. And I've listened to like Caligula a few times. And I just want to say, um, I find that we... Caligula! Try and save that one. So I can't even. It's the worst, like, I can't even. I can't even hear myself doing it. That's the worst part. <laughs> so I can't even enjoy the hilarity of me fucking up my own words. It's it's the way, it's it's the way you just gave up, Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Um, yeah, what a fucking intense album. Yeah. And um, it's funny because I was thinking, because um, she's uh, been collaborating or done a few collaborations with uh, Dylan Walker from um, Full of Hell. Yeah. The artist I really like. And it's, um, I like, I get excited by music that is a representation of a raw emotion. Oh, this like is that. definitely that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I listen to a band, like, even say Full of Hell, like they, or a band like Napalm Death, like that is like almost a sonic representation of rage. Yeah. But like, what, <laughs> like Caligula. <laughs> 
that album is, a, in my opinion, a sonic representation of just like utter fucking despair. Yeah. And it's like, I know, oh, I can't relate to the lyrics because, you know, but, you know, but I know the themes are about, you know, like sexual abuse and domestic abuse and stuff. Yeah. And I know she's uh, referred to the songs as survivor anthems. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, and it's weird to say that the music excites me, but I just like hearing genuine emotion in music. Mm-hmm. Because so often in extreme metal you hear music which is very hard to connect to, because like what I was saying before about death and other bands in the death metal genre, or even the black metal genre, a lot of the time it's the lyrical content and stuff, it's very surface level, it's about something that is hard for a human to connect to, because it could be about Lord of the Rings, or like I said, zombies, or, you know... Mm-hmm. Bestiality, I'm sure if you're into bestiality, you can probably connect to some of the lyrics found in Death Metal. I really love Death Metal. <laughs> but, um, but no, like, this is very, very fucking real. Yeah. And, like, there's so much of her essence that's been put onto this record. And, mm. through, like, and she does everything, right? She's multi-instrumentalist, everything. Yeah, she's yeah. incredibly talented. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, uh, just, just, I just really, uh, and I think that there's, there's elements of that that are on this EP. So mm-hmm. obviously this is very short and it feels like a bit of a teaser for the next record. It does. It doesn't feel like a full in wave. Like, she no. doesn't go, she doesn't lose control, I feel, on yeah. this record like she does in, in like Caligula and All Bitches Must Die. And, yeah. Uh, all Bitches Die, not Must Die. It's a because there's a bit of it because the, the the second track which is um, is it sexless I think it's called I think so, so yeah it's a cover of the Cure it's a cover of I haven't written it down it's it's like sexless no sex it's a cover of Sadie, no. Iron Lung oh okay it's an Iron Lung cover yeah. yeah but that's got some of the elements of Caligula that I thought was quite prominent like it's got a bit more of that because I know a lot of this album is kind of classically inspired because I know she was actually yeah. classically trained she like, was yeah she went to a really prestigious university as well yeah um, and like she applied to PhDs um, oh sure in, and she was rejected because her music was too raw and aggressive oh of course yeah yeah <laughs> so fucking stupid I know right but I mean she she I feel like she has a very academic approach which I really respect because I, I also dropped out of academia not in music but I can I can feel her frustration and I can I was also like not as accepted because I was very fringe in terms of what I was looking at so like I it's another reason why I really resonate with her yeah. and her music I, I love it so yeah anyway as you were saying no yeah it's just um, it was a it's a great little EP like I said it serves as more of like a teaser for some yeah. of the things but it's at the same time I feel like it's another string to the bow yeah. I haven't listened to, I've, I've, I've glanced through some of the earlier albums, but Caligula is the one that I'm most familiar with. And like, this is the first time I've heard the more classical elements being present in mm. the music. Like, it's obvious she's great at creating the soundscape of despair, which is, you know, a, a, a testament to her ability as a, a multi-instrumentalist. But it's great to kind of hear, like, especially in the last track, which is titled Agnes Day, I believe. Yeah, you know, which is Lab of God. And um, not to be confused with the uh, the Virginian uh, groove thrash band. Who's <laughs> like the Virginity? <laughs> 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 but it's um, but that I feel like is quite a good um, sort of amalgamation of uh, elements of classical music and like, kind of like the horrific soundscape that she normally yeah but, uh, horrific yet beautiful must be said because there's a lot of beauty to be found in some of the tracks. Yeah, that that's like a, a Bach um, tune, and she's got like you can hear the Bach. 
but you can, there's this also like crackling distortion that gets loud and quiet and you're, you're in fear that's going to take over the music like you feel this sense of ominous foreboding and yeah. so you listen to this incredibly beautiful music with these like vocals that where she sounds like she's on the verge of sobbing like the way she's singing yeah. she, you can tell like you can tell she's classically trained in all her music because of how, when she goes into like her operatic voice but in this like she she intentionally bends how she sings this like in this opera style and yeah. does it in such a way where you're like scared yeah you're, you're like you don't know if she's gonna scream or if she's gonna weep and it's like really terrifying for yeah, a lot of like men to listen, <laughs> to listen to but also for women it's like a very representative of how women feel a lot yeah. of the time because like we're often I mean, like, it's, it's not something that's really explored in heavy music, like, the experience of women in this way. Because usually it's just like, you fuck women, you fuck dead women, like, you're seeking women to fuck. <laughs> You've been fucked by a woman. <laughs> you're planning to be fucked by a woman. That's, like, that's, that's heavy yeah. metal. Like, this is, like, like not, only is she not only is she looking at, like, domestic violence, surviving it, she's also looking at, like, killing your rapist. You yeah. know, that's the kind of thing she writes about. And I don't know a single woman who hasn't had something happen to her, like either domestic abuse or sexual abuse as someone who myself has gone through both of those things. It's it's just something that like every woman I know who's listened to Linguistic knows has been like, that's how I feel. You know, and like I've seen her live and it's a hundred thousand times amplified live. Like wow. I recommend anyone going, even if you don't like her music, go. That's how women feel. And secondly, it's fucking incredible. Like, she is a true performer, and she legitimately, I feel, did not care if she died while she was performing, because there were times where she literally could have. She wrapped the microphone cable around her neck, slung it over the scaffolding of the stage, and was, like, leaning on the edge of a teetering chair whilst holding onto oh, it, shit. and singing and screaming into this <laughs> microphone. Standing there like what the fuck? Like she comes on and all she has is a keyboard, a Mac, and a chair, and she's got like all this like American psycho plastic wrap yeah. around the stage. Um and she's just this like very slight woman who you can see like she just changes when she comes on. She's got this like true like you, I, I don't know, like if anyone listening has is, is like experiences when you go on stage and you just like you completely change as a person. You're not who you are. You are like the what you're performing, and she's doing that. And she comes into the crowd, and like she doesn't she doesn't like gently like she's not like primly like excuse me. She comes into the crowd regardless of whether you're in front of her. She does not care. She's like she just grabs her chair and she comes into the crowd. She plants her chair down and she stands on her chair in the middle of the crowd and is screaming and shrieking and singing and Jesus wailing and opera singing and everyone is just standing around her in complete shock and awe and that's the entire show. Fuck. It's one of the most incredible um, shows I've been. Like Grave Lines actually was supporting. Um, Shem is wearing a Grave Lines hat for those listening and not in front of the behind the camera because you, you can't see him. Um, but yeah, like it was a really, it was a chaos fairy music show there. Well, what venue was that? The oh, it was my own played. Um, Village Underground? I think it was the Village Underground. Is that what it's called? I believe so. It's in, oh my god, it's been so long. It's in Hoxton? It's like right by the station. Yeah. It's, it's a good venue to, to have a Lingua Ignota show out in general. It's, yeah. it's um, I think, probably like 500, 1,000 people. Oslo. Oslo, that's it, not the Village Underground. Sorry. That sounds, it's an, it's an interesting point because I think we've had this discussion before about women and male and how um, 
the female voice kind of is pigeonholed into like kind of two well in my opinion it appears it's pigeonholed into either two areas in the male yeah. scene you can either be a pretty singer an operatic singer yeah. or a blues singer yeah or you could be a, you could be the token harsh vocalist that's it yeah it's just like and Precisely. all that is and no not no like They're nothing incredible. yeah nothing yeah. against those people but like it's just employing the same vocal techniques that a lot of the male vocalists do against a lot of fries mm -hmm. you know vocal distortion and stuff which is, which vocals, is cool it's what I do all but, vocal techniques are bit shared between the sexes there's no there's yeah. no unique technique that one sex has access to yeah you know so like it's 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 a, it's absurd it's almost objectification it's like oh women they sound like nightwish or they sound like blues pills and like those yeah. are incredible bands of incredible vocalists but that's just not true there, there yeah. are men that sound like women there are women that sound like men the voice is not is not tethered to whether you've got a dick or a vagina, yeah. you know, it just doesn't work that way. No, like, no. yeah, there were castrati a hundred years ago, but there are women who sound like castrati, and there are men who don't have their balls cut off that sound like castrati. So it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. it's just not. It's not a sex or gender issue. Like, it's just stupid. And let's put it in the bin. We don't need to talk about that anymore. But yeah, Lingua Ignota definitely occupies like a new space yeah. that should have honestly. Like, I'm surprised. Maybe it did exist before. We don't know about it. But I'm surprised that it's taken this long for that to happen. Yeah, and it's because, yeah, because she, I think, has done a lot for portraying the real, not because no, all voices are real, but like mm. portraying the voice of something that is true and very real to a lot of women in society. Yeah. And um, in my opinion, it's some of the most extreme vocals I've ever heard. And, yeah, and it makes a lot of men uncomfortable. And it I, does. I, I, I could get why it would do that, because yeah. you know, if you don't come from that place yourself, this would be something that would seem quite unsettling. Yeah, but it you know, it's something that excites me because it's something I've always searched for in music. I mean, it seems a bit weird that I'm excited about songs, <laughs> about, but no, I'm not going to go down that road. <laughs> but um, I'm excited. I get excited about extreme music and things yeah. that come from a very real place. That's why, I'm, like, one of the uh, there's an album. Uh, it's not even a band. It's a project. It's called Stala. Mm -hmm. S T A L double A G H. Okay. It's like this noise, blackened noise project, mm -hmm. and all the vocals are real samples of screams from people in, from a mental institution. Oh my and it's fucking the most god! Fucking, it's <laughs> the most unsettling sounding fucking album ever. That is horrible. It's called like Project Misanthropia. I don't like that. But, yeah, it's fucked up. <laughs> but but obviously that's a bit gimmicky. Oh, yeah. Of course, you know, that's someone saying, oh, I want to create something that's really fucked up. That's but, an idea that someone's had, whereas this is like someone's lived experience. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, precisely. It, it's it's really like, uh, like yeah. I mean, this was recommended to me by women, um, and like I don't know many men that listen to Lingua Ignota who can listen to Lingua Ignota. Yeah. It, it means oh, I always I always forget this. I think it means forgotten language. Or yeah, it's an language. unknown language. Because yeah. she's trying to express, um, she's trying to express something that you know you can't express through words, and it's very true. Like once you hear her sing, you know exactly how she's feeling, and if you don't then you, I think you have a very common reaction to men when they hear about abuse, um, like domestic abuse, which is like a sense of, of discomfort and wanting to get away from that. And yeah. I think that's part of the reason why this music hasn't existed before, because, you know, I mean, Kirsten Hayter, who, who wrote this music, who is Lingua Ignota, she, she's talking about um, two abusive relationships she had over seven years, I believe in the scene where she where she grew up with, with musicians and when she came out about it no one believed her and she was basically ostracized and this is incredibly common yeah. with women in the music scene if they date a musician people side with the musician 
pretty much most of the time, unfortunately. Um, and we're seeing that happen now, like with the Manson shit, there's like so many men defending him and I'm sure he's gonna still get lots of money and, and slots and shows, whatever, and that's... that's it's, it's like the old fucking crude adage though, isn't it? Like if you're a guy that sleeps with a lot of girls, you're a player. If you're a girl that sleeps with a lot of guys, you're a slut, so... Yeah, but it's like, she even, she just had a relationship with these men. And yeah. this is the case with domestic abuse, it's like, so, so much of the time women don't speak about it because this happens and it's, you know, it's very, she, she started Lingua Ignota because she felt it was the only thing she could do to um, express herself. Like, I, I apologize if I'm misquoting, but yeah, it's it, like the, the connection with religion as well is like very interesting. Like she had, she was taught by, um, I think, not nuns, but she had like a very Catholic liturgical, yeah, that, um, yeah. like musical education. And she was always very interested in, in more like, not the delicate music, she was interested in more like interesting ancient, raw music and she you know as you say collaborated a lot with the body and, and full of hell yeah she has uh, alexis marshall from daughters on this album reading the poem oh shit no way yeah way oh cool which is um where you walk by herman hesse it's yeah. really cool that she did that it's, it's really interesting it's like i can i can read it if you like it's not very long but it, i i i don't know how to interpret it because it's like i don't know if it's from the eyes of like an abuser or of a stalker or of her he, he's saying, I know you walk, I walk so often, late among the streets, lower my gaze and hurry, full of dread. Suddenly, silently, you still might rise, and I would have to gaze on all your grief with my own eyes. When you demand your happiness, that's dead. I know you walk beyond me every night, with a coy footfall and a wretched dress, and walk for money, looking miserable. Your shoes gather God knows what ugly mess. The wind plays in your hair with lewd delight. You walk and walk and find no home at all. I mean, like, for me, you walk and walk and find no home at all is, like, very relatable. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. feel like it, it's, like, very much a lot of women have felt, not a lot, but some some people, I'm sure, have felt this walking along the street, hurrying, full of dread. Like, I've certainly felt this. And, and like, you know, feeling messy and not knowing, like, what's going to happen with your home. This, like, it's, it's very common if you're in, like, an abusive relationship where you don't know where you're going to be sleeping you know, uh, one weekend, one night, where you're going to be going, like, what's going to happen? A lot of the time people stay in these relations because they, they don't know where they're going to live otherwise. And I think, you know, maybe she's... It's, it's really interesting how she's she's done this. And I, I love I love Daughter's music. I feel like there's a similar sense of rage. And, like, Handel's playing in the background. Yeah. Well, this is all happening. So it's, like, a really interesting juxtaposition. And I think she works really well with juxtaposition of, like, of, of like incredibly fragile music with with intense emotion and like stuff suddenly breaking out like you're walking on eggshells around her music that's such a good way of putting it because that's literally how you feel because you yeah. just feel like you're on the verge of like a full-on like someone just completely losing all semblance of like sanity and mm. mental well-being 100 percent. yeah yeah and it's funny because like it's it's just it's crazy really because like the, the poem you say like people walking without that feeling of uncertainty about which home to go to. I mean, imagine, just imagine how bad that is compounded with the fact that if you ever try to go public with it, you're not going to be believed anyway. Right. Well, there's a good chance you're not going to be believed or taken seriously. So it's like, how fucking hopeless is that situation? Yeah, I mean, like, not not being able to speak out is, like, such a huge part of, of like, how abuse operates. It's, like, often operated on the premise that the person you're abusing, like, she has lyrics, like, you know, which are direct quotes of what abusers have said to her, like, who will love you if I don't, who will fuck you if I don't, like, yeah. stuff like that, and it's, like, so, 
it's so hor like sadly common these these sentences and like um yeah i think she embodies that sense of of like insecurity and of having someone like rip away your identity and it's interesting how a lot of good metal is about identity but yeah. it's about like your national identity your personal identity your sexual your like how you're treated as a human a lot of the time like it's like how big is the picture that we're looking at it's like you know primordial is about like it's not about i'm it's like the entire west and lingwick notice is about like you know women and the soul and and sexuality and love and things like that so it's yeah it's but it's 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 funny in a sense because you could talk about like i say a grand topic and that might appeal to say like a select few people but if you're talking about something that's so introspective mm. and concerned with you but that actually ironically might appeal to more people because yeah. people find that that appeal that there's elements of that in a lot of people's um struggles yeah it's like that converge album with uh, like jane doe right? right like with how a lot of people have that big breakup in their lives yeah and a lot of people you know they're, they're walking down the streets like almost almost not wanting to meet the next person they're going to love because they're going to hurt them yeah. and they're going to feel pain in that relationship and you know and this is like another aspect of that is of like the pain from the relationship i'm sure i'm sure like whatever happened with Cobbage, it wasn't like this but um you know this is this is another it's like shakespeare you know like in any shakespearean play you have all of the colors of the human condition and that's why he was an amazing playwright is because yeah. he got to the very essence of humanity, and I feel like this is like an off, like super distilled vodka version of that. Yeah. <laughs> Have you um, by any chance listened to um, the Full of Hell album? I think I've, I think I've listened to some Full of Hell, and it's not been very accessible to me. It's um, she's on the track on this. It's called the. Uh, I think I might listen to that. Yeah. It's the, I think it's the Armory of Obsidian Glass. That's a really good. I was name. debating in my head. Do I say glass or glass? I was like, glass. I say glass, of course. But, but <laughs> it's um, yeah. That it's a really good track, and it just going back to a point you were talking about earlier with her vocal style. You know how when she's on like The Verge, it sounds like she's mm. kind of got that warbling, but almost on the verge yeah, of screaming. Yeah, she's like right on the edge. Yeah. Of, yeah. And there's a lot, there's like quite a choiral effect she does in that track. It's a really good track. It's a bit more like sombre than a lot of the other tracks, which is like just full on rage and noise. But they've actually got a super group. So Dylan from Full of Hell, uh, Kristen, and uh, Lee Buford from uh, The Body have got a a, a super group called Sightless Pit that oh, I've never listened to. That that's really cool. I've got to yeah. check them out. Yeah, so I'll check it out so I'll see what that because I could only imagine how fucked up. That's <laughs> going to be terrifying. Yeah. That's so Just cool. Like a, some Guantanamo Bay torture level music there. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really cool. I think um, I think next week there's an album I want to I wanna already say I want to I wanna, um, cover, which is Black Sheep War. Oh yeah, because I said yeah, the new album dropped. The yeah. new album dropped. I think oh. this weekend. Or, like, I didn't know it was out. <laughs> yeah, I think I think, I think it's I dropped. dropped this Friday. Just gone. Yeah, it was twenty yeah. first of February. I think I'm so. Oh, it won't be twenty first, but I'm really excited about that album. I love. I think the last album has songs like "I Want to Fucking Kill Myself" on it. Yeah. So. But, the, but that's the band that has the 34 minute track just called Metallica. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's so good. And that's like, awesome. the, the cover is like cartoon characters. Yeah. <laughs> so some, yeah, some fucking. Yeah, the cover reminds me of um, that sort of that YouTube series. You ever watch Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared? No. It's like, okay, so it's like a series of. Um, it starts off like really kid friendly, like a real Sesame Street sort of vibe. Mm. And it's these puppets that are quite cute. 
that it's, um, there's about five or six episodes of it, but about halfway through you start to realise that there's something really sinister bubbling underneath, and it just descends into like sort of puppet gore and shit. Wow. And it's, it's really fucking unsettling. A bit, it kind of reminds me a bit of Salad Fingers, do you ever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's a similar fingers. vibe to that, except it starts off a far, far more kid-friendly and then just divulges into something completely fucking diabolical. It feels like being John Malkovich but gory. I've never seen Bean John Mapper. It's really good. Yeah. It's a really good film. Very strange. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think this is. That's Lingering Note to Agnes Day. I think so. I think that is us done for the week. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we need to rate this. It's not an album. So. Nah, I think. But well, I'll tell you what it has done. It has got me excited for what's coming next. 100%. And I feel like that's the purpose of this. You know, it is. You know, it's, it's, it's a teaser. And I'm, and I'm personally looking forward to what comes out next because I think that. Um, I'm really happy that she's uh, got picked up by Profound Lore and has got yeah. recognition in the scene and been embraced in the scene because I think it's something that the scene needs because it is, and like I, I wouldn't be remiss to say that it's a scene that could be largely uh, misogynistic at times. Oh yeah. So it's good. <laughs> yeah, that's a diplomat way of putting it. So it's good to hear like a female voice represented in a different way. A hundred percent. And I think that you know she does it in a way that I have not heard anybody else ever fucking do it. Yeah. And 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 I am all for it. I think it's great. So. Yeah. She said that she won't always talk about, she won't always sing about domestic violence, she's just going to sing about what's closest to her, what's truest yeah. to her at the time, which I really respect. I think it's cool that she's come out strapped and been like, I'm not going to be the one that's always just doing the same thing, because yeah. that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be like... Um, like true to her. It wouldn't be yeah. true to her, it yeah. would be disingenuous. And I, I, I respect that, I think this is like, it's beautiful that she's done this. Thank you, Kirsten Hayter. You have definitely improved the lives of many women and maybe opened the eyes of some men, so... Yeah, thank you for, for watching. Um, not just Kirsten Hayer, everyone. And thank you for listening. Feel free to like, subscribe, follow, download, everything, comment, let us know how you feel. If you hate me, if you love me, if you love or hate Floyd, if you love or hate Shem, if you if you want us to review anything, please, please do. Um, we checked out White Ward, man who commented recently. Thank you for recommending them. They're, they're really cool and jazzy, and we're gonna listen to them all. So, um, yeah, thank you for, thank you for watching. See ya, until next time. Yeah.